Okay, last week we dealt with a few things here. Uh, remember at verse 20 of the fifth chapter, it's a kind of a, a comical thing in my mind. I don't know if it is for anybody else, but it said, moreover the law entered, and that word entered is paris ekomai, which is an acting term uh, where the minor actor comes on the stage till the major actor comes and then the minor one leaves. And so the law came that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. In that as sin reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. And then he starts chapter 6 with a question. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into His death? Therefore, we are buried with Him by baptism into death that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of that life. The new state that we're in. The new nature that we have. That is the way that God wants us to walk now. And listen to me. That is the only way that you can quit walking in sin is to start walking after your new nature. We have a choice now. Before we were born again, we really didn't have a choice. Yeah, people make a choice to rob a bank or do whatever, but, but our nature was sinful. We sinned automatically. Isn't it interesting that you don't have to teach children to disobey? Really? <laughs> You're right. You know? Born in the flesh. That's right. It's it's locked up. Uh, the Word tells us that foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, and the rod of correction will drive it far from him. And, and you know, that doesn't mean pain. That's talking about the rod of correction means to follow through because there's different styles and different methods to deal with people, uh, children, about those things. But he said that we are buried with him by baptism into his death. And as we talked about uh, earlier, uh, about baptism, water baptism is a, is a type and an example of what has gone on in our life. We actually died. That was us going into the water with him. And then we were raised up by somebody else. We didn't get up ourselves. We were raised up by somebody else. So that, that is a pictorial view of literally what happened to us in Christ Jesus as we were buried with Him into His death and that we are to walk in this newness of life. Now walking in this newness of life is what really we're talking about through the next few, few Wednesdays, several Wednesdays, is that the title of this for your CD purposes is our uh, renewing our mind. Renewing our mind. So the only way that we can actually start walking in the newness of this life is to have our mind renewed. Because if you don't know, you don't know. And as I've told you, it's not your natural mind I'm talking about. 
It's about that spiritual mind that you have in Christ Jesus. That has to come to, come to the forefront of our attention. And so he says here in verse 5 then, and there's, I could do break down this and go verse by verse, word for word and all that, but I, I, I've been guilty of doing everybody else's study and forum and uh, keeping this, you know, but I, I encourage people to get into the books and find out for themselves. There's wonderful, wonderful journeys that the Holy Spirit has in the Word of God. It says, for if we have been planted. Now, the word if is, is a, uh, it's a, conditional phrase or a conditional clause in the Greek language the first the first class condition means that that word if there means if and it is so if it was third class condition it would be an optional but it's first class condition we have been planted together in the likeness of his death we shall also be in his resurrection actually in the likeness of his there is not in the original it also in also in resurrection see brother dave brought that out he, he turned me on to that uh he's because we need to it's not likeness is we were actually raised with him go back, ahead back up just a sentence so i can follow along what you're saying back up just right before you talk about that for we have been planted together in the likeness of his death we shall be also in resurrect of resurrection okay. see in the likeness of was not there and so and and that is important because our resurrection is past tense we were raised with him yes. you see people want to you know you, you see these people with carrying crosses and all this stuff the worst thing is that you can have a cross with Jesus on it you know the Catholics are really bad for that I want to get a grinder and grind him off every time I see that because that cross is empty. Yeah. And, you know, people identify with that. They identify with the with the tomb, you know. But now listen, we don't have people carrying a little rock around with a you know, hole in it uh, representing a tomb, you know. Uh, and, and it's almost like that with the cross. People need to realize that the, the work of the cross is finished. You say, yeah, but we're supposed to take up our cross. Yeah, we are. We are. But it's in His strength that we carry those things. Uh, but you know, it's not enough to identify with Him in His death. It's not enough to identify with Him uh, in the grave. It's not enough to identify with Him in the guts of the earth. We must also identify with Him in His throne. Absolutely. Because that's where we're seated. Absolutely. That's where we are. And see, if people don't understand that concept, they'll never get to the point of mind renewal where you start walking and talking and acting like you really are. See, we're, we're in disguise because of this flesh. And it's too easy to get back into the flesh because it's, I mean, it's all, it's, it's, it's ready. It's ready-made all the time. The flesh is, is there for you to, to activate or deactivate, see. It's a constant thing. That's why I'm not going to be concerned about leaving this body. I'll be glad to get rid of it, you know. I've often, I've often thought, you know, well, I'm not going to get into that. But anyway, let's, uh, let's go on. He says, knowing this... Verse 6, 
that our old man is crucified with, with him that the body of sin might be destroyed. That the body of sin might be destroyed. Now let me tell you this. Get a vivid picture. Your old body is destroyed today. Not going to be. It is. When you identify with Him, you have to see that your body is destroyed. Now I want to show you exactly what that word destroyed is. Uh, it is the word kata argeo. And you say, well, big deal. Well, now listen to this. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed. The body of sin was destroyed, meaning this. Here's the, here's the meaning of the word. To be entirely idle, to abolish, to cease, to render idle. Notice this. Unemployed. Yeah, <laughs> Inactivate. Inoperative. To cause a person or a thing to have no further efficiency. To deprive of force or influence or power. To cause to cease. To put an end to. To do away with. And no. Abolish. To pass away. Be done away. To be, no, listen to this one. To be severed from. Now listen, people, watch this. Here, verse 6. Let's read it now together. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that we hence, that henceforth we should not serve sin. That right there, you can write out in your margin of your Bible if you have room. That is the picture of what happened to you at the new birth. That is what happened. The body of sin was destroyed, rendered null and void, unemployed, inactivated, inoperative. It's done away with. I'm telling you, it has no power anymore. How many people, uh, when someone dies... And you see them laying there in state. They don't have any more problems with their flesh, do they? It, it cannot present them any more problems. Brother Delma right now is free from that. I mean, I'm jealous. Because now he's shouting the praises of God throughout glory. Right now he knows more than anybody here knows about God. But verse six is the is is a is a picture of what happened in the new birth. You died when you became born again. You died, and that body of sin, spiritually and physically, became inoperative. It has no power anymore. And verse seven is the explanation of it, because he that is dead is freed. From sin. One, one guy translated it acquitted. He is acquitted from sin. I want you to look at that. Uh, my goodness, how did I get to Psalms? 
It's Romans 6, Jerry. All right, now here at verse 7. For he that is dead is freed from sin. And that word is dikaio. Dikaio, listen to this, means to render righteous. One to be righteous, such as he is and wishes himself to be considered. Notice this. I like this one. To declare, pronounce one to be just, righteous, or such as he ought to be. I mean, it would be good to just get a t-shirt put on there and say, I'm dead. (laughs) I am dead. Because you see, because I'm dead in Christ, I've been rendered righteous. The offense was taken care of. The body of sin was done away with. See? You'll say, well, we're still living it. This is not talking about this outward flesh here is not really... I mean, it, it is in kind of way, but it's talking about the body of sin, that inner man that was lost. That inner man that was separated from God. See? So, does that make sense? Anybody have a question or a comment about that? Alright, now verse 8. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with Him. Now, remember, in the back of your mind, through all this teaching we're going to do in the next three or four weeks, I want you to remember Romans 12, 2. Be therefore transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's what this course, if you want to call it a course, just these, these dialogues, is about. So everything that we're reading here from last week and now is pointing toward that. Romans 12, 2. Be therefore transformed. Metamorpho. It's a physical... Metamorphosis is a physical thing. He said you be transformed by or through the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. We'll get into that three stages. Two. But see, everything in these verses, five, uh, chapter 5, 6, 7, 8 especially, uh, and 9, and 10, and 11... All the way, it's it's all pointing toward that 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 uh, how can I put it? It's all pointing pointing toward that walk that He wants us to walk here on this earth, and that is a walk of the Spirit, which is a walk of power, right? Absolutely. Now He says, knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over him. The word dominion, uh, it means to be, to lord it over, to reign. It's a kingly word. It means to have reign over something. In other words, death doesn't have dominion anymore over Christ. He's risen from the dead. Well, because we raised with him, it has no dominion over us either. See, with that dominion... Uh, it is, it, it, is, it is important for us to realize that there's nothing can rule over us unless we allow it. He says, For he that died, for in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. 
Likewise, reckon ye yourselves, also yourselves, to be dead. Now that word reckon, we're in Romans 6, uh, Tressy. That word reckon, you know we use it back home. Y'all use the word reckon? Sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I reckon I'm going to go do that. I reckon. Well, it's actually logizomized, the Greek word. Uh, it's a logistic term. They use it in uh, in uh, accounting and stuff. Log it down. You know, all you got to do is get to know Lorraine a little bit, and you can certainly find out about how to log stuff in. Because <laughs> yeah. she's got books and books and books of, of the business she managed for years. Same thing here. He said, so what he's wanting to do, he says, likewise... And the word likewise means literally uh, to be wise enough to compare what he said with what he's about to say. In the same way, you estimate or you put it on the ledger that you also are dead indeed to sin. So if you did have a t-shirt that said I'm dead on it, people would say, what do you mean? I'm dead to sin, sickness, demons fear, anxiety, poverty. I'm dead to all that. You say, well, you don't look like it. Well, we're not talking about what I look like. We're talking about the fact. The fact is, the truth of the Word of God says that we're seated with Him in heavenly places, which means us means that we've conquered everything, see. We've just not learned how. We've not gotten our minds renewed to start walking in that, see. And that's why we're talking about mind renewal here on Wednesday nights. So he says, likewise, do this continually, actually. Reckon yourselves to be dead. Now, you know what a good confession would be when you're in trouble with your flesh? Well, who, could, who could, by reading that line there, what would be a good confession if you're having trouble with an old habit that wants to come back? Or you're having trouble with your with your emotions or whatever it may be you're facing. What would be a good confession? I am dead to that emotion. That's right. I'm dead to you. You have no authority over me. You have no dominion over me. I take authority over you. You don't have the right to live in my body. You don't have the right to make me angry. You know, anger's a choice. You choose to get angry or not. There's certain things that makes each one of us. You know, we all have idiosyncrasies that, you know, certain buttons that can be pushed. And usually the spouse knows which buttons to push. And, of course, which buttons not to push. But, uh, anyway, we have authority over these things. The body of Christ is sadly lacking in these areas. It, it's sad, but it's, it's so true. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of work to be done in the body of Christ today. Well, I didn't know. A lot of work. Huh? I didn't know that I had a right, in my opinion. Why, of course you did. Where we Elmer's concerned. Yeah, you have a right to your Until opinion. Until I heard you preach it. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Amen. I... <laughs> Jesus is the Lord, and he shed blood for you. Elmer didn't. <laughs> okay, okay, so that would be a good confession. I'm dead to this. Anytime a temptation comes, all you got to say, I'm dead to this. In Jesus' name, you're not going to lord it over me. This body has to live and walk around until Jesus comes. 
but it's not going to control me. It's not going to tell me what I'm going to do and what I'm not going to do. I'm going to tell it. See, I need to start talking to my belly about that. Every time I eat something I'm not supposed to, that scripture pops up in my mind, whose God is their belly and whose end is destruction. <laughs> Terrible. So, verse 12 then, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal bodies. That word let is a big, big word. It should be this long. But it is so powerful because we have the choice to either let it or let it not. That's why Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And so, let not sin therefore, because of what he's just been saying about our, our, our that we've been dead. We were raised with him. We died with him. We were buried with him. So therefore, we don't have to let it reign. And the word reign is that kingly word again. So sometimes I read it that way. I say, I'm not going to let sin reign as a king in my life. Because there's only one king. And that is the Lord Jesus. And so, that you should obey it in the lust thereof. Now, neither yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness. It's interesting here the, the two words for instruments here in verse 13, since we just got through, done, through uh, teaching on Ephesians 6, uh, is the word hoplon, which is the weapons of war. Neither yield ye your members as weapons of war for unrighteousness. But yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead. Well, who is that? That's us. We're alive from the dead. You say, why? what do you mean? It's because I was raised with Him. At the moment Christ Jesus came back into His body and life filled it again, it, it, it was logged on, logizomai, it was logged on my account. Because that, technically and legally, is when you raised. You raised with Him at that point, see. And so that's why He says here uh, that those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments, as the weapons of war for righteousness. Amen? Amen. Did any of you get to listen to that last lesson I did down in Georgia? No. On uh, uh, the lance of intercession? Well, you need to. You need to because it's, it's the most powerful of all the weapons that we have. The lance of intercession. Because it deals with things. Think about it. When they, when they throw a lance, it's in a distance. It deals with things before it ever gets up close to you. That's intercession and supplication and all those kind of prayers that he mentioned there. So, verse 14 is another explanation. Paul is getting a little deeper in this. For sin shall not have dominion over you, because you're not under law anymore, you're under grace. Now the grace people, and I mentioned them the other day, and I'll mention them again, because I got uh, duped by this. Not, not very deeply, but, I, but it did affect me. The grace, the, the, the uh, greasy grace people, they will teach you and, sh and tell you that, that this verse is, is uh, proof text 
that no matter what sin you commit, it's not going to be of any consequence because it has no dominion, has no kingly rule. See? Now that's the way they've interpreted that. There's a man that has captured the ear of the world, Joseph Prince. It's, it's in his book. I've got it. I, I may have thrown it away after I read it. but it, Anyway, it's in his book. No matter what happens. Now I know the previous pastor here went up to Karis Bible School and under, sat under Andrew Womack. But Andrew Womack will sit bold-faced and tell you. I've heard him. I've seen him on TV. He'll bold-faced tell you that if you go out and committing adultery and in the very act of it, if Jesus comes back, it's not going to affect him whatsoever. See, that, that stems way back there from Calvinism. Remember me talking about that? Once saved, always saved. That's, that's, that comes from that. And that doctrine came from the devil in order to, to get people not to walk in their righteousness because he knows that if he can get them to sin and not confess it and not deal with it and not be concerned about whether sin reigns in your body or not, uh, or in your mortal body, then he can get the best of us. It, doesn't, it does not matter that you don't know. See, he, well, he don't know. We'll just, no, the devil don't. He don't play fair. He, he's, he's full of deception. He wants people to believe that it doesn't matter if you sin after you're born again. But it does matter. The biggest thing it'll do is keep you from growing in the Lord. And the, and the worst thing it'll do is kill you. Amen. We can talk about that if you guys want to. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Yes. So I have a question. Sure. If you sin and you don't know that you sinned, like, then you're not saved. I'm not talking about now. Like, like you know, growing up when you're a little kid, you do things wrong. And... When you get born again, all that's gone. But anybody that's born again knows when they sin. No matter how. Now you can get calloused. You can get hard-hearted where you don't pay attention to it anymore. That's why somebody keeps on sinning the same kind of sin. They'll get to, oh, you know, it's not, the, it's not that bad. I don't, I don't really feel bad about that anymore. Pastor Dave says it sears your conscience. Yes, that's, that's a seared conscience. That's exactly what that is. So now, uh, but when, when people are born again, they know whether they sin or not. It's the spiritual conscience they have been given. And if they don't, they're not saved. I'm sorry, but that's, that's the long and the short of it. So you know every time you sin, huh? I said you knew, you know every time you sin. I know before I sin, <laughs> yeah. because there's a there's a Holy Spirit in my spirit in me that lets me know. She's asking you as a child, huh? As a child, she's asking you as a child. As a child, you're yeah. saying that. When I was a child. I myself. If you're, because there's time Were you born again? I was. I was saved when I was very young. Yes. Well, you should have known then. That spirit inside you will let you know. And see, that brings up a very serious problem. There may be a lot of people out there that think they are that's not. I personally know people that thought they got saved way back, real young, and they did. Sitting in church every Sunday. Yeah. You're right. I'm telling you, the enemy is diabolical. I mean, they told me I was saved just because I walked down front and shook the preacher's hand. 
pray with me. Nobody came up and laid, you know, got, knelt down beside me and led me. Uh-uh. Well, he walked out. I'm sorry, but that's dangerous. Yeah. Well, when I got saved, it, it was in a vacation Bible school. And it was at the end of the service when the preacher was preaching. But I got saved in my seat. Because I didn't know he was going to ask us to come up. And he, so he was telling us how to get saved. And I asked the Lord to forgive me of my sins and so forth. And for a long time, I didn't think I was safe. And then the Lord told me I was. Amen. And so... Amen. Now, I'm not saying you're going to be a a completely mature Christian at the moment you get saved. We have to grow in this. We're going to sin. What I'm saying is that your spirit will let you know. You'll have a red light. You'll have a bad feeling. You'll say, say, hmm, something's not right. See? That, that's what we've got to teach. That is the beginning stages of learning how to walk by your spirit. See? I mean, here we have people that we don't even... talk about any of that. I know. We, we have people that, you know, that want to walk in the spirit and do great exploits for God, but don't even have that little still voice uh, listening to it to tell them to what's in it. I was preaching some of these things one time, and a woman stood up and said, I'm sorry, but i got to have somebody tell me not to sin I was preaching too much grace at that point the wrong way and all I said was well sister don't sin so when we get over to chapter 14 we're going to get into that What? because it says there if you eat meat that makes your brother to offend then don't do it even though it's not a sin to you it is to him he that esteemeth something to be sin, to him it is sin. It's The word sin is the offense of it. It's, well, that offends me. See? Well, it didn't mean it was, it was an offense of God. It just meant that it offended him. I mean, there's, I know some people that know me that are offended because I breathe. Yeah. <laughs> right. So you can't, uh, and so we'll get over that when we get to 14, because all this is, is going to be talking about mind renewal. Uh, so, so let's get back here. So verse 15, what then shall we sin because we are not under law, but under grace? God forbid. That's the second time he's used that word. Uh, and that, that that is very forceful. If we were to translate that into modern day English, it would say, hell no. It's that strong in the Greek language. Know ye not that to whom ye yield your your servants to obey, his servants you are to whom you obey. Now if you say, well, I've got some sins, I just can't quit. Well, you're its servant then. You're its servant. It's not your servant, you're its servant whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto, unto righteousness. But God be thanked that you were the servants of sin, but you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered to you, which was faith righteousness. Being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. Glory to God. If we just realized that we can become a slave to righteousness just like we were a slave to sin. Glory be to God. 
You know, when when your Christian life is is composed of your ability to just quit sinning and you think you're walking in victory. Well, that's only half of it. But that's where most people are. They live their lives just struggling to keep from sinning. Let alone going on forward and walking in righteousness and doing great exploits for God. It's our growth. I know I label all my tapes and on my computer I, I, I have a, a designation there. And uh, one of the designations, depending on what message I bring, uh, just from my own references, it's under the growth category. See? Now that message I did Sunday, remember when I taught on the judgment seat of Christ? Well, that one is, is put in there. It's, it's lesson six see, in that because I, I logged it in that way. But this is all talking about growing up in the Lord. Growth is God's way. Abracadabra and zapping you is not God's way. I mean, it's good that He can zap us when we need to be. But He'd much rather us grow up as sons and daughters of God and walk in that righteousness. And I dare say this, I know this might be a little strong to say, depending on how long you've been listening to me. But uh, I dare say that God would have it to where you didn't even have to be led by the Holy Spirit because you've grown up in your spirit so much you just walk in it, in that righteousness. Which is exactly what the Holy Spirit would do anyway. You, you understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't, wanna, I, don't, I don't want children... I remember my son, he, I'd say, son, come out, because I used to work on four-wheelers and just in, in my off time, I had to get my head away from the office and the church people and all that. And so I, I had a little shop and I would work on four-wheelers and three, I'd turn three-wheelers into four-wheelers because I went to a golf cart place. You know, in Central Florida, there's lots of golf carts. So I'd go to golf cart places and, and uh, get the front end off of the golf carts and I would turn the three-wheelers into four-wheelers with that front end. So I'd say, son, come over here and watch me. Just, man, I just don't want to. I'd, I'd want him to help me, you know, do things, learn how to do things, learn how to use tools and stuff. But he just never was interested. In fact, he said, you know, I, I'm going to have enough money in my life to pay somebody to do that stuff for me. And which he does. I mean, he does now. But I just can't, I can't hack that. I mean, I, that's not my, the way I am. I just, I, know, I want to know how to do things. But you uh, brother, I mean, I, I even when I was a little boy, I was taking stuff apart. I didn't know how to put it back together, but I was taking it apart, you know, a lot of times. My sister's married to a guy like that. I, I remember Arnold, he was one one year below me. Uh, he would bring to class. Now, we, li- we, li- we went to school in a four-room schoolhouse. And so the seventh and eighth grade were, were together. So Arnold was in seventh grade. I was in eighth. And uh, so... Every, I mean, once, twice a week, he would bring these little electric motors. And instead of listening to the teacher, he'd sit there and take them apart, put them all back together. Well, he's a genius. That man can do anything. Anyway, where was I at here? But God be thanked that you were, the verse 17, the servants of sin, but you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered uh, you. Being then made free from servants, or excuse me, free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. <coughs> I speak after the manner of men because 
of the infirmity of your flesh. Notice that. You need to remember that word, the infirmity. You'll find it again back over in Romans 8, about verse 25, 26, somewhere through there, 27. We'll, we'll, we'll really get into it. But he says, because of the infirmity of your flesh. You, the, I'm going to go ahead and, 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 and tell you about this infirmity right now. What this word means, it's not talking about sicknesses and diseases per se. It's talking about your inability to produce results. That's in the flesh. The flesh can do no good thing for the kingdom of God. It cannot do it. It is enmity against God. It's foolishness to Him. That flesh, He will never agree with the Word of God. He'll always be against it. And if you keep aggravating Him enough, He'll go ahead and, you know, buck up and go ahead and do what you want to do. You have to treat your flesh like it's a slave. See? Now, he says, because of the infirmity, the inability to produce results of your flesh, for as you have yielded your members' servants to uncleanness and to iniquity and unto iniquity, uh, even so now yield your members' servants to righteousness unto holiness, which is the opposite of iniquity. Iniquity is the... Is the Iniquity is more like the identification of sin. Iniquity. He said, for when you were the servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. Think about that. When we were the servants of sin, that, let's talk about our unborn again state now. We were, let's read that again. You were free from righteousness. Now here's a biggie a lot of parents don't, don't uh, realize. It's wrong for parents to expect children to commit acts of righteousness by themselves if they're not born again. Just like if I got a group of people in here and I was teaching them how to, how to live right, you know, do all the do's, don't do the don'ts, but never have, never have been born again, I couldn't expect them to go outside tomorrow and not do those things because that's their nature. That's true. And people have children. Now, now I believe in getting children saved and spirit-filled as soon as possible. But sometimes, you know, they get up 10, 12, 14 years old and the parents are, are, are really against them because they want to go out and sin all the time. Well, duh. That's what they're supposed to do. They're free from righteousness. That's a big subject. We, we you know, we need to leave it right there. But uh, just think about that. We, you know, just think of the disservice we do for people that come in here and they've had a mentality of church membership, uh, and they just sit in here Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, never get born again, never get spirit filled, but just sit there, and they, and we expect them to live right. Well, that's a disservice for them. See? So don't expect... I mean, I, I, it doesn't surprise me anymore what anybody does. You know. And, and Christians are just as liable because we've not grown up at all in the Lord, a lot of us. And uh, they're just as liable to go out and do something. You know. Well, you know, I know God will... God will cover it. Well, His grace will cover it until you get grown in the Lord enough to, to deal with it. 
He expects you to grow. He expects us to mature. He doesn't want us to just be lukewarm. He wants us to be of value. Either ice cold. I like ice cold water, especially when it's about 95. Or I like hot water when I drink some coffee. Think about drinking coffee, mixing it up in lukewarm water. Why, it'd be nasty, wouldn't it? Well, that's the same way it is with Christians that's lukewarm with the Lord. I, I know that's probably a, a silly analogy, but it's, it kind of works for me. What fruit had ye then in those things wherefore you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now being made free from sin and become servants to God. Now you see in the state we live in, we're free from sin. Before we were free from righteousness. But now we're free from sin. Push by the eyes, I will. We sin today because we want to. We sin back yonder we wanted to because we had the want to. And we didn't have any way of keeping from it other than sheer willpower. Willpower is not righteousness, although it, it's been pawned off as righteousness many times. Somebody's well-disciplined, you know. Why, they're a saint of God. Well, just follow them around behind the woodshed and see how, what a saint of God they are. <laughs> but now being made free from sin to become servants to God, you have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life because the wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord uh, the wages of sin isn't it interesting how he contrasts the gift of God or the wages of sin Sin's a hard life. People don't realize it. Sometimes I see people out and about and, and, and you know, you can just listen to them and tell that they don't know God. And they're fussing, they're arguing, they're complaining, they're doing this and doing that. Not realizing that they're living in a, in a, in a form of hell and not even knowing it. It's a hard, sin is a hard life. I've shut my Facebook down now, but the other day I was on there looking and I, I saw one of my precious cousins, my Uncle Cecil. They call him Seeb, but uh, Seeb's the one named me. And I found out this past Christmas that uh, the last name of the guy that he named me, I'm named after Jerry Reynolds. But anyway, Seeb had a little boy, Cecil Jr. And of course... Uh, I, I did Seeb's funeral, and, and that's, that's been a long time ago. Well, this, this young man is, I don't know, he might be 40 years old. But his Facebook page is filled with filthy, awful, ungodly things. And I think, you know, and there's no way in the world that that boy would listen to me. No way in the world. And he doesn't realize he's living the kind of life that is so hard and harsh and, and, and it results in death. It results in the uh, death in the finances and the home and the relationships and, and ultimately ends up in hell. People are caught in that. And, and the devil keeps us 
so bound up with living life as children of God. Just so into ourselves and what we've got going. And everybody's got stuff going. But we're forgetting about those people out there we're supposed to be going after. Amen. You know, we're, we're forgetting about them. Getting caught up with church stuff. and Busy for God, but yet not really doing anything. This makes sense tonight. Yeah. My heart's heavy about things like that. He goes into chapter 7, in which we're not going to go very far in this, but he's making some contrasts now and some analogies. He says, No, you're not, brethren. And this parenthetical statement here says, Because I speak to them that know the law. This was written to a Jewish community in Rome. Large community. He says, I'm speaking to you that know the law. How that the law hath dominion over a man as long as he lives. That word dominion again is a, a reign, a kingly reign. And notice how his explanation starts. He said, For the woman which hath an husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as he lives. She's his wife. As long as he's living, she's his wife. But, if the husband be dead, she's loose from the law of her husband. Makes sense, doesn't it? She's free to go marry whoever she wants to. So then, if while her husband lives, she be married to another, she shall be called an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she's free from that law. So that she is no adulteress, though she be married to another man. Now, a lot of preachers pull this out to put beat people over the head about being divorced. And I'm sure people are going to say, yeah, Jerry, you're divorced. That's why you're saying it. No. This is not a proof text for that. What he's, what he's talking about here in just a minute, I'll show you. Wherefore, my brethren, you also are become dead to the law. How? By the body of Jesus Christ that you should be married to another even to him who is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. So that's what he's talking about. Through the body of Jesus, one dead body is laid to each of our accounts. We're dead. Literally, legally, in God's view, we're dead. The law has no dominion over us anymore. The law was given because of sin. It was given, as I said here in chapter 5, moreover the law entered so that uh, the offense might abound. It makes sin appear sin. It identified sin. That's why the law came. But now that Jesus fulfilled the legal requirements of the sin penalty and fulfilled the law, you say, yeah, it, you know, a lot of people preach that the law is done away. Well, some of the greasy grace people really do a bad number on the Old Testament. They're saying, yeah, we should just tear it out and not even use it. No. Uh, a blossom is just as legitimate as the flower that comes later. The flower fulfills the blossom. The law was the blossom, so to speak. Jesus fulfilled it. 
He brought the Abrahamic covenant to pass. See, the, the law was added to the Abraham covenant, Abrahamic covenant because of sin. Man had to be controlled. They were out of control. They cast off restraint. See, they had to be brought in under control. And the law was for that, see. And they still had a choice in the matter. But now that we are become dead to the law by the body of Christ, then we're no longer affiliated with that. We, we owe nothing. That husband is gone. Well, bring it into present tense. This flesh that we live in and, and the body of sin that we had is, is demolished. It's destroyed. It has no power. It's just, I like to call our bodies our host. This is our host. We're, we're, we are a new life implanted into this body. I, it's so cool the way God worked that out. Gets to still use the body. But He needs our cooperation. Without that cooperation, we're a we'll be a victim of our flesh. Amen? Amen? That you should be married to another, even to Him who is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. We'll call it quits there tonight. Any other any questions or comments or anything? Please do.